0: The Torn Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TonCast, and it gives me a great pleasure to introduce, we've got him in the studio tonight, Todd Robert Anderson, can you believe it? (laughs) No, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't even believe it, but it takes a great deal of work to get you here, and I, I appreciate you coming.
1: Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard with the pandemic to get uh, to these studios to talk to people, uh, but I'm glad that you're wearing a mask. <laughs> I'm and, always uh... wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very excited to be uh, on the great Zach Galvin show. You're, you're in it's... the news all the time, uh, playing guitar on, online for, your, for the well,
0: kids yeah. of your high school. Yeah, ukulele. I'm teaching my. I've been teaching myself the ukulele uh, for mental health. It, it started when I was um, watching the presidential, whatever you want to call that, uh, back in 2016, <laughs> and I was glued, riveted to the. To the, at the time it felt like drama. Um, now it just. Feels like something else altogether. But I decided to keep my own calm. I turned the, the volume down and start plucking the ukulele that I had uh, purchased years before. And so now th- that kind of went away. Uh, but now with this lock-in, we're playing the ukulele and trying to keep my seniors from, uh, you know, melting. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's <laughs> it's meltdown city in, in senior land for everybody
1: i would imagine
0: so what are you up to in the darkness of Uh, staying at home
1: um i uh do make a lot of videos of myself and i've been doing a lot of podcasts so which is it's so funny because like the remote thing which is the reality uh I never did it before because I just never figured it out. So I, I wouldn't, I would have done this podcast with you a long time ago if I had just figured out this tech before the pandemic. But this thing sort of pushed me into it. And it, now it's like I'm talking to all these people all, all, from my life all over the country. And it's, it's neat. It's,
0: it's really fascinating um, because I feel like this pandemic has pushed a lot of people to do things that they said they would do if they had more time. Um, I've been telling my doctor for years, I'll lose the weight, but I got to stop working first. And when, (laughs) when the work stopped, well, not, it didn't stop, but when we got moved out of the building, time happened. And so I'm flattening my own curve, um, down 20, almost 20 pounds, but it's, uh, walking. I walk instead of being at work at 6am, I go to work, I'm at the computer by eight. So I walk every morning. Uh, three miles, and if I can do it more than that on the weekends, I try to do that. But that's brought down uh, weight, which is fascinating.
1: That's cool. But, so
0: I'm, I'm thrilled that you're doing this podcast long distance because I think getting pushed into those moments where you're like, well, no better time. Why not now?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I uh, just – I do have the time to figure these things
0: out. So, yeah, that I'm doing it. Why not? Why not? But – it's the it's the good out of the negative I, I love it
1: and I'm I, yeah, I'm doing a lot of that stuff that I sort of put off and for me it wasn't really when I would find the time it's just I just didn't feel like doing it yeah uh, like I'm I'm gearing up to self-publish a, a novel that I wrote and you know I've been I've had it for years just sitting on it like I got I gotta I gotta self published this. I got to put this out there, and I just haven't. But now I'm like doing it, and uh, I've been working on a screenplay, which normally I don't do because it's just I find it too depressing to write screenplays that no one will read, much less produce. <laughs> but so
0: I, I I read your stuff um, when <laughs> I know it's out there, and uh, I I kind of you had one back in it's probably ten years ago that was. Um, was it your second book the uh i kind of forget what the last road trip or something like that oh yeah the horror novel the horror novel and the day after i finished that uh i had a heart attack which i thought was kind of funny i was like wow i finished this book and now it happens and it was it was kind of like that thing that was following me all along and i didn't know it just very very connected to your book that way but that's not my point. My my question is to you on the writing piece, because I've always wanted to write, and I've written a chapter here and there of whatever. But how do you sit how do you find the motivation to finally sit down and write what's in the head? Like it that's distraction to me. And so it's always hard to get to that point. But when it happens, it's I'm connected, but I don't know how to get to it.
1: It's uh, it, it it's sort of why I'm resistant to it as well. I you know before this happened, I was I would force myself to write uh, if if like in a screenplay I was writing a scene a day and I was I was doing it longhand. I wasn't typing it up. I you know read that Quentin Tarantino does that and it sounded meditative to me. So that's why I was doing it that way. And I was trying to work, a, like th- throw together at least a page of, a, of another novel that I've been writing. And it was, and, and I wouldn't do it that much of it, but I would force myself to. And then eventually I'll find a groove where it's like I actually want to puke stuff out onto the page versus forcing myself to. But yeah. I, there was no way into it other than forcing myself. To do it yeah. it wasn't it wasn't oh i have this awesome idea oh i gotta I got get it on a page that used to happen to me when i was younger a lot like i used to write a lot more just whatever when i was younger writing just uh you know a short story or two pages of thoughts or whatever um but i i just in my adulthood i've i have less of that you know inspiration I guess I don't know maybe it's because there's yeah. so many screens now and there's Twitter and there's Facebook and I I think I, it's the I, d-
0: yeah the distraction the the whole the, you you touched on me singing playing for my seniors but that has only happened because I'm sitting still at night with open time Uh right. the, crea- the creativity of it the whoa let, wow it's right there let's try and do something but but for the piece of book writing, it's tough to get in there. And I've watched a lot of my old peers, you um, and some others from growing up, who have done really well uh, to find that way to write. Um, well, so I mean, I'm excited s- for your Maybe book. just,
1: thank you, maybe, you know, I that's what I would recommend doing is just, Force yourself to, you know, write a certain amount. Not a lot. Yeah. Every day. Just, set, uh, you know, because now I, with pandemic times, you can make whatever schedule you want, right? So
0: you mean, because I write a lot. So you mean something different than, uh, dear little Johnny, you're not going to graduate in two weeks. Get your work yeah. done.
1: <laughs> yeah. Not, not that kind of writing. I do a lot of that Not, I mean, because I write on Twitter and Facebook all the time, but not that kind of writing. Like, you got to sit down you know and look at the blinking cursor or do it do it longhand that actually is fun to do it that way it
0: it it is it's uh, are
1: you uh, it's are cool. you there i so think what, I, i've what, i've
0: lost you i am there can you hear me now oh there you are you're back now you you're bouncing
1: in yeah. and out i i'm sorry that's, yeah that's i I, I lost now, you let me check let me let me check my uh, let me check my internet connection i can connection. see you
0: you're more clear now that's I don't know why that... Ugh, I, I don't know.
1: Earthquakes, maybe? Who, who knows? It says I have a poor connection. I don't know why, but uh, we'll keep going and hope that it, it,
0: it's... It's I all know. good. I've, yeah. I, I, there, are, there are easier ways to get away from me than to say a poor connection. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fi- finally get you on the show and you're... Oh, I'm sorry. I can't hear you now. Well,
1: <laughs> you know how terrible I am on the phone. I don't know if you remember how mad your mom got at me because of my phone etiquette when we were in high school.
0: No, tell me about this because I I laugh and I'll tell you why afterward. Uh,
1: I just... What happened was, you know, because I I was a teenager too, I'll freely admit I wasn't particularly polite. You know, somebody would answer the phone and I'd go, Hey, is uh, Zach there? That's it. That's That's all I gave. She told you that I was very rude on the phone and she did not care for it. And you told me. So then I made a point every time I called you after that, I would, (laughs) I would get her on the phone and I would, how are you, Mrs. Galvin? It's me, Todd Anderson. And you know, I gave her the whole politeness
0: thing. She's, she's still feisty like that. She'll tell you exactly what she thinks. Um, it's good. Uh, if you're ready for it, but I don't remember that. Um, I I would like to think I did, but I think the the reason I laugh is because I have the same poor etiquette. I hate the phone. Yeah. Can't stand it. Um I I have always and I think it's because I feel like they must be doing something more interesting than talking to me and I can't see what it is. <laughs> and so yeah. like like this this fear that they've put the phone down and gone into the other room. Uh <laughs> That's a bit of, it's irrational, but I really, I, I don't even talk to my mom that well on the phone. I They're very short conversations, and then I'm really sort of guilty and upset about it afterwards because these are moments I should be cherishing, I'm sure. Um, but I'm very short on the phone with people. Um, it's it's fascinating.
1: I, uh, I actually try to avoid talking on the phone as much as possible. I'm the same way I find it strangely uncomfortable given how much time I spent on the phone when we were growing up in our small towns in Massachusetts um, which was a different it was like the only means of socializing in a lot of cases uh, but now I just yeah. I, I can't I don't like being on the phone and it, and then I'll call my parents I mean my brother's so much better he like he calls them every week and I feel like this terrible son because I avoid talking on the phone but every couple of weeks I'll call them but it's always... It's a, it's work too, because they're, you know, they're Irish Catholics to, to, you know, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't, they're, yeah. they're a quiet people. <laughs> they don't, to, they don't talk. So, so often, so often on the phone, they will be like silence and I'm like, Oh no, I've got to what do I do? How do, how do I pull more conversation out of them? And why is it my responsibility to make them talk?
0: Yeah, it's, I get, my mother cares very much, obviously, cause I'm her son, um, but there were seven of us. And so she, I know she cares about them all almost as much as she cares about me. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's 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 really more, uh, how are you? How are you feeling? And then are you really feeling that way? Um, are you sure? And it, it, there is some, you know, uh, repetition to the conversation. But I should enjoy it more. I really, sh- I should. But I hate the phone. So it's like, Mom, I'll, I'll come over and see you I don't want to talk on the phone
1: Yeah, the, it's actually I, I mean, I, I find you know, Zooming and, and Skyping uh, Somewhat You know, exhausting But I like it better than talking on the phone A lot, a lot more Because in seeing people Because I was doing podcasts I, I, I have a podcast with my friend Lombardo Boyar who, 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 It's called Two Out of Work Actors Bitching And we were doing it together. We were meeting once a week and doing it in person. And then this happened. So we did a couple that was just on the phone having a conversation, but we couldn't see each other. And we were recording that way. But it's so much better to be able to see a person's face when you're having a conversation because so much of what I'm doing when I'm listening, I realize, is, is seeing your expressions. And also, yep. when, you're, when you're having conversation back and forth, you can see someone gearing up to jump in if they have a point. And it's, it's harder to pick that up when it's a disembodied voice.
0: Yeah. And from the classroom perspective with Zoom, I, I watch uh, – because I'm not in the class so much, but I have been in some with the students – it's hard because you 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 see them, but at eight o'clock in the morning, you're not exactly getting back that look of interest and engagement from the other <laughs> side. So it, it can also work yeah. wicked against you when you have thirty, you know, screen faces of adolescents, I'm sure giving you nothing, but uh,
1: yeah, yeah. It's a it, good my wife, my wife is an <laughs> elementary school teacher. She uh, teaches is teaching fifth this year. Um, and the whole system that she's kind of developed via Zoom and having all those kids, all their little windows on screen and she she mutes them all, you know, until she wants to hear from one and but she what, needs to power? see them all. Yeah,
0: it's so it's You can't it's, mute she, people in real life. It's it's kinda of fun. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's very true that's very true.
0: <laughs> it reminds me of the uh, the old the old game show with that lady who used to uh, uh, say you were the weakest link bye bye and it, you know oh. just click and <laughs> your mic is off yeah, yeah
1: it is it's it's a it's a powerful place to be but it's it's the only way to do it cuz you can't have them all you know all of them open because one they'll... And she's worried about side conversations. She also, because Zoom, you can message people, right? So she turns that function uh, you, off so they can't. They yeah, can't there's talk like to a chat other. feature.
0: But you yeah. also get with Zoom, you get the uh, the folks who br- find a way to break in and share nasty stuff. We we can't actually use the Zoom because we're in the in a different Google platform, so people can't break in as easily. But. Um,
1: Oh, it's, is it like Google it, Classroom?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, Meet, Google, Hangout, Meet, Google Meet, something like that. It's oh, okay. They they develop about three things and call it all the same stuff, so nobody knows what they're talking about. But um, <laughs> but yeah, the, um, so I hope she doesn't get infiltrated in the Zoom world. That's that can be yeah. pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, I I I hope not. I don't. I think that they have a special. Thing going on for teachers where they have I, I don't know I don't know they they figured it out because they definitely don't want people uh, crashing uh, fifth grade classes that would ooh, that would be dicey.
0: So I've I've got a question for you relative to uh, your your varied podcasts and and uh, stuff online. Uh, where did the idea for the parking lots come from? What created that?
1: Well, really, it was. Um, the whole Blursh YouTube channel—it's called Blursh Influencer Empire—and me and a couple friends were throwing around the idea of creating our own satirical version of uh, an influencing series. Um, and but what happened was we 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 brainstormed it. We came up with the name and various ideas for shows. Um, and then uh, basically everybody got busy so we never it, the, those shows never transpired and I was like well I have the channel so what can I do for influencing and like influencing to me I mean I don't, I don't mean to be like a snob or when it, <laughs> whatever but influencers are very silly to me I think it's stupid uh, so yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just I'm wanted right to i right with you and so much of it is, you know, oh, I got, I got to have content. So I, I get advertisers to give me money to talk about their products or whatever. And it's, it's just, it's so often insipid. So I was like, what is, what is the lamest ass thing I could do, you know? And I was give my opinion about, <laughs> and parking lots just seemed, I'd never heard of anyone reviewing parking lots before, and it seems really dumb. So honestly, it was the dumbest thing I could think of. And that's that's why I started doing that.
0: It's fantastic, and I you've brought your your kiddo into some of them.
1: Yes, he uh, he he turns up from time to time uh, in the blursh uh, videos. Uh, as I turn up in his videos, he actually has a YouTube channel, and he likes to make little movies. Uh, and uh, we we're, we're we're now we're each other's you know actors. We got no one else. There's no other pool to pull from.
0: That's got to be pretty cool, though, father-son, having that kind of time and and a shared interest.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is cool. Um, uh, it is. It's 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 fun. Although, you know, he gets annoyed sometimes when I make him say blursh in the parking lot review uh, segments. Yeah. He he's doesn't like it.
0: <laughs> but do you like it when he doesn't like it? Yeah, I think there, it's hilarious. You know, there's that, like, there's the that dad thing. Yeah, the dad uncomfort. I was. I don't, yeah, I think it's got, was, got I don't know if you where, saw
1: the. I, I'm getting a. I saw getting the a poor connection again from you. Um, I don't know if you saw the the recent uh, parking lot review, but at the very, at the very end of it, um, I asked Colby why he wasn't taking part. This is my passion. Why are you? Why aren't you? Why aren't you helping me? Don't you care about your father? So that was nice. That was fun. A little guilt trip what
0: would, back of the car. What was what good. was his answer? He
1: he looked yeah. he looked at me
0: and he was like, yeah, I'm, ever so, I'm trips sorry, trips father. A, a, what? Do you ever get guilt trips in the uh in the old days? The guilt trips. Were you a receiver of guilt trips growing up?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. My mom it, was an expert at the guilt trip. Yeah. She could make me feel real bad. <laughs> Yeah, that I,
0: was it's her, Almost like it's a. G-
1: yeah, Go that was ahead. her. That was her way of getting me, and then my dad's, my dad's way of of getting me. I mean, these are these are parents who never, you know, never smacked me or anything. You know, I, I got grounded sometimes, but really, all they had to do was my mom had all she had to do is lay on the guilt trip. And my dad just had this thing where he was just disappointed. You know, he, if he. <laughs> If yeah. he gave you that look of disappointment, it was, it was like, oh, man, I would feel terrible.
0: The, uh, the thing that sits in my mind the most is a gift you gave me um, that was uh, pretty, um, pretty fascinating. I know I've talked to you about it a little bit here and there, but uh, or referred to it at least in our online discussion but uh, the replicate um, screening, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you have any idea what a gift that was to sit in that room uh, watching the people who performed a movie all see it, I think, for the first time yeah. um, and be able to uh, interact a little bit. But just watch you guys enjoy the finished product. Uh, In a screening (laughs) room like that And what a gift that was for me uh, As one who I I still say I'm frustrated In my performance mode Uh, It's still a a yearning But I'm on a different path But uh, What's that like for you to sit in An area uh, with With uh, filmmakers Who Get to see the final product Of a project you've worked on I don't think I've ever asked
1: um, you that question. That's a good question. It, you know, it really kind of depends. I mean, if it's something I'm in, when I I first watch anything that I'm in, an episode of TV show or whatever, I never like what I'm doing. I've, I'm never on first viewing. Usually, I can go back and watch stuff and be like, "Oh, I wasn't that bad." But when I first watch it, it you know, I get sweaty palms. It's like it's as if. You know, you're about to go on stage, but then you don't go on stage. You are you see yourself on stage. It's really, it's kind of a weird, That's, weird thing. But, but you know, depending on the situation, because, I, I mean, I, I made a movie called Fuzz Track City a number of years ago, and in, in, back in 2012, it was going great around. Great film. Thank you. It, it was going around in film festivals and we were we were going with it to a lot of different places and that that was interesting because it was the same movie and I wasn't really paying attention to the movie I was more paying attention to the audience and their reaction yep. it was always interesting to see what people were responding to and where uh and that, but then there were we went, had a couple screenings where nobody showed up it was like there was one festival in Beverly Hills and it was just me and the guy who directed the movie? Sitting there, there's nobody else in the theater. It was, it was, it was that's gotta bummer. be weird. Yeah, it it was weird, and you know, it, at first it was frustrating, but then we wound up having a good time with it because we were alone. It was like a private screening of a movie. Yeah, it was, it, we had fun with it anyway. You know, uh, making uh, lemonade out of lemons. Uh, but one of the cast and crew screenings I went to. Because I worked on Replicate, the same producers produced uh, the uh, horror series Final Destination, and they knew from working with me on uh, on uh, Replicate that I loved Final Destination, and then their sequel came out, so they gave me a couple tickets to the, the crew screening of Final Destination 2. And that is one of the most, like, I know what you mean by having a really good time at a screening like that. Because, because I wasn't in Final Destination 2, but I was with all these people who worked on it, you know. And that movie's hyper gory. I don't know if you, you watch horror movies. No, I don't. It, 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 it's, that, it's a super gory movie, like, over the top. And every time, like, one of these action sequences or sequences of gore happened, this crowd just went nuts because they were there. They had put it together and watching uh, the carnage unfold on screen for the first time. They were just – they were having a blast. It was so much fun. We were all laughing and screaming and uh, it was amazing.
0: Yeah, it's it's really kind of a neat situation to be in because when something happens that you like – and you figure out that you're sitting around the person who did it, uh, you can literally lean over in the movie moments after it's been seen and say, that was absolutely hysterical. Um, <laughs> and I think that's, that's what I really enjoyed about that experience was A, being a, around all the creativity, but watching them enjoy it, but also being able to say, I'm enjoying it too, and I can tell you right now. Uh, that's, that, that was a fantastic experience. Moment in my I, uh, life. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad
1: it was. It, I, it, another screening story. I was I was in a movie, uh, uh, a, a, you know, a low budget exploitation film uh, called Devil in the Flesh Two, and uh, and it's you know it's like one of these. It's a thriller, you know, like a mystery murder thriller. Uh, with lots of gratuitous female nudity thrown in to make the uh, investors happy sort of thing. Sure. So Hill and I went to the to the casting crew screening of it <laughs> and Hillary was dying laughing the whole time at all the the you know murder and the naked ladies. she just kept cracking up and which is what we would normally do if we were watching, you know, uh, 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 a low budget exploitation film, we're going to laugh at the dumb things that are in it. <laughs> but she's laughing hysterically, and nobody else in the theater was because they, oh. they were all had worked on it. <laughs> so I, I kept. I, I was agreeing with her as far as I. Yeah, you're right, that's funny, but shh. Shh. Tone it down. <laughs> Some of these people are taking this seriously. <laughs> oh, uh, it's still a really. It's still a really funny movie I have so many stories Like a friend of mine told me this story About watching this movie Because it wound up getting picked up by HBO One of their like middle of the night Garbage movies They played and a buddy of mine like called me Just angry as hell And was like dude I was watching This softcore porno movie With Jody Lynn O'Keefe And I was just about ready to jack it And then you showed up
0: That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's pretty great. uh, Go back in time a little bit. Go back, like, way back. I've heard you on a a couple of podcasts talk about um, the growing up years, uh, high school, um, it not being... uh, Which was news to me, but again, we're a couple years apart, so there's a a gap there. But that high school was a place where you weren't as comfortable as I thought you were, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, it's interesting whenever I bring that up, like the perspective that other people in high school had of me. Um, certainly, when I was a, a junior and senior, uh, you know, underclassmen that were in the theater and all that stuff, you know, thought I was, you know, a uh, yep. very confident, uh, uh, successful guy. Um, but for me, I was always insecure in, in, no, in no small way because I spent so many, of, uh, like, elementary school, junior high, and underclassmen years of high school. I just I got bullied a, a lot. Um, and that really messed with my head. Um, yeah. So so I always had uh, you know by by senior year I was having fun, you know, because when you're the the big man on campus and Hanging out with Darren Buck Because he's very funny You know That that year was not like that But all the other years I had a hard time And then, and then girls Like I never did well With the girls So that was oh, You know Sad And in such a small You know My graduate I don't know how many kids Were in your class But in mine It was like 84 kids graduated So once you've Yeah asked, we went Go Go ahead,
0: ahead. Once you I was going oh, to say we had so many more. We we had 128. <laughs> oh yeah, 128. That's crazy. Oh man, we, yeah, it was like so much more to choose.
1: <laughs> well, and the thing is, is once you've asked out all the girls, you, I mean, what do you, you, what do you do? You just loop back and start asking them out again. It's just the rejection was, it was too much.
0: Yeah. Well, that was that was always very interesting to me to, in the last few years to hear you say those things and to try to connect with it because I think a lot of us were in the same boat, uh, especially as I, I think the... I've always thought and I know a lot of people think it and a lot of people fight it, but I think when you're uh, creative on the stage and that's your comfort space, you're often on the opposite end, uh, not so comfortable... In the the social part of it, uh, and trying to, and and nor are you looked at that as being the the big man on campus or whatever. But I think we had a pretty safe place to grow and become that, and people would respect our talent. But at the same time, I never saw that. Uh, in you, you never gave any evidence in in the way you performed or acted or were that it was a difficult time and it and hearing you say that it was has made me as an educator go back and look at what am i seeing versus what do i think i'm seeing kind of stuff with kids in the school because if if i were to say if i were to say i saw what you were feeling never and i thought we were pretty good um, in in friendship, uh, but I was clearly oblivious. Which just it was interesting to see.
1: Yeah, I see. mean, yeah, I I, I guess uh, I didn't uh, always communicate the stuff I was going through, especially in the well, and, well, and who years.
0: would but and and yeah, who would as a as a young kid and in a small town like that? It, that's uh it was just it it was an interesting point I, I i was fascinated by it but i think that great performers are are that way too yeah
1: for sure i mean well and uh, you know the theater uh, uh, doing the theater at dover Sherburne regional high school did so much for me as far as helping me become confident and take actual risks and you know finding a way to be okay with myself. Um, but, um, you know, I, did, I, I, I guess I just didn't talk a lot to you guys. I mean, because, you know, like I I just watched the movie Bye Bye Birdie the other day, which was so funny to watch it and think about your performance and Jeff Davis's performances. And in when Jeff we did Davis. that, oh, yeah, yeah, it, it was, it's, it was fun to watch the movie and think about you guys. This, i don't really like the movie very much but uh it, it was very nostalgic in that way um but but you guys were upperclassmen who i thought i thought you guys were really cool so that might have been another thing like i just wanted to be cool around you guys and focus on the on the art and the work uh, that we were doing and not yap too much about you know who's beating me up after lunch period every day
0: yeah fascinating fascinating so are you doing a lot of cooking? I'm switching gear totally. You doing a lot of cooking in this quarantine?
1: Um, no more than I normally did. I mean, I, I, I uh, we. I mean, I guess we we're cooking a little bit more in that we don't go out to eat. Um,
0: but like, are we, you the cook? Do you enjoy cooking, or does that become you're the eater more than the cooker, baker, whatever?
1: Uh, no, I, I, well, baking I don't like doing, and I suck at it. I tried to make bread yesterday, and it did not work. I mean, actually, it's totally edible and good bread, but it's not in the right shape. It's just like a,
0: it's like a puddle of bread. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, what's the right shape for bread?
1: I was trying to make...
0: According to Todd Todd Anderson.
1: (laughs) I was trying to make, you know, French loaves, you know, like cylinders, but the... There was something, it was too liquidy, I guess, and it just kind of spread out. But then it did raise, rise, the yeast made it rise, so I put it in the oven and baked it, and it it tastes fine, uh, but it's just not, it was sort of an a fr- exercise in frustration. But cooking, yes, I love to cook. I love to barbecue, actually, and I have a... I have a vertical oh, smoker, and I love smoking meat and stuff. Although we don't do that as we, we stay away from the red meat these days. It's mostly fish and poultry.
0: You talk about bread, which, and and it brings me back to the Wonder Bread Factory just randomly. But um, we had this Wonder Bread Factory in the town next to us growing up, and like I knew, I remember Wednesdays were like half price days. You could go in there and, but it, the smell. I, I I feel like I can still smell the smell of the Wonder Bread factory. Do you find that 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 even comes close in your head? I I, I do. remember, or is it, that that it smelled. I guess is what I remember. How bad it smelled? No, that just the fact that it smelled is maybe what I remember, and not the fact that I can smell what it was like. I don't I've,
1: know. I I were. Yeah, I I mean, I feel like it was a really pleasant aroma that came out of the uh, uh, Wonder Bread factory, which is interesting given that, you know, the the bread is garbage and it was Twinkies and all that (laughs) garbage. It was
0: garbage food. We weren't allowed to have any of it in the house. None of it. You had to sneak into Wonder Bread with a friend who could drive, and then you had to eat whatever you bought before you got home.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) the way it was. Sometime in the summer... My mom would get like a box of Twinkies, you know, but it, very rarely. And we had to beg her for like sugary cereals. <laughs> it was always I would love going we, to my my nana and grandpa's because <laughs> they'd have shitloads of frosted flakes and Fruit Loops and crap, and uh, and that's where I got my sugary cereal <laughs> from my grandparents.
0: We would only we would only get those in the stockings at Christmas time, and they were the little cut the knife you know the cut the box out but uh yeah sugary cereals not permitted in the house it was like no
1: and you know what God bless these parents of ours for for watching our sugar intake it, you know it, it was it was it was good of them yeah we, we do it too with, we weren't... with our kid we try to watch I mean he's got such a sweet tooth too he'll devour giant desserts. Uh, he's very dessert-oriented, but we try to maintain a, a low sugar intake in his diet, and it's working. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he has his desserts, but he reasonable sizes, and he doesn't eat sugar all day long. He has a dessert. You get a dessert. You probably want to wait till the end of the day for it, but if you want to have it here in the middle of the day, that's okay. But it's one dessert.
0: What irritates Todd Robert Anderson?
1: One thing I've learned is uh, that I don't care for the sounds of people chewing.
0: When did you figure that out? Yeah. When did you figure that out? It's,
1: I I it's I think I always had had this, but for whatever reason, you know, with the pandemic and the family sitting around the uh, breakfast table. If there isn't music playing in the background, then the sound of them like I cannot stand the sound of people eating oatmeal. I think it's just so gross sounding.
0: <laughs> I just can't stand eating oatmeal. It, rem- it reminds me of Fridays before school growing up.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. I get you. Yeah. I don't. I don't really like oatmeal either. Um, but. Yeah, I just, the, it's weird, this, the sounds of masticating, I get, I get, I know that's like a condition that people have where it irritates them, and maybe it's because I have tinnitus, you know, so it screws with me even more, I don't, I don't know. Interesting. I, don't, I i also don't like, I, uh, the thing that aggravates me so much is, is stupidity. There's too much stupidity in the world in our country and, and I don't, and it's wildly frustrating to me.
0: So let's, let's dig into that a little bit. W- w- f- give a, for example, what, what kind of stupidity, um, like what, what sends you over the edge? Cause you, you write a lot online. Um, you, you certainly have your opinions. Um, and sometimes I don't know whether they're, uh, the art of sarcasm and and wit or whether it's an attack on things that are stupid does that make sense or um, both? even
1: it's probably both um knowing me uh but yeah i, I mean like current examples uh uh, uh the, these these nationwide reopening protest things um i just find those so irritating and I, I suppose I could just sit back and point and laugh, but it just feels like they're they're doing so much damage um, uh, to people in this country. It's it, and you know when you're at a protest, like in my whole life, I've never seen a protest where people are protesting the government while holding up signs to re-elect the the government that they're protesting against it's so strange or like in florida um you know the 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 protesters who are protesting outside of a gym because they want the gym to reopen and the way they're protesting is they're working out on the street in front of the gym which would suggest you don't need a gym at all to work out because you're working out outside of the gym or right here in my uh, current hometown of Simi Valley, you know, a, a guy with his flooring business, he re-op- reopened his uh, flooring business against orders. Um, and then he put four pieces of plywood outside. This, went, this photo went viral around the Internet last week. It was all over the place. But right outside of his uh, leaning up, four pieces of plywood. The first one said, uh, we're open to the truth. And then the second piece of plywood said, no masks allowed. And the third piece of plywood said, handshakes are okay. And the fourth said... I think said, I
0: saw that, yeah.
1: And then the fourth one said, hugs are very okay. And that level of... One, the fact that people have politicized uh, the a virus and made it uh, like something liberals do is wearing masks and, and quarantining, and that's not... They're infringing on our rights. That's bananas to me. It's just so dumb. It's so dumb and self-defeating because it's just it's just going to make the pandemic worse. It's just going to make things worse.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's become very insidious to, to kind of use either side of the aisle, for the lack of better phrasing, uh, to, to blame on how people are reacting to it because it doesn't make any sense to me either. Um there are plenty like the 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 person i live next to is um uh has very deep republican roots but she's in a mask and she's taking care of herself and she's taking care of the people on the street by taking care of herself and following all the rules uh that has if if, if if it's supposed to be what it is hearing on the news and people's perspective she shouldn't be a Republican. And and what what damage is she causing by uh, looking so liberal in in her in her belief? It's crazy. Um, Don't get it. Um, Yeah, I I don't get it either. Especially when
1: I mean it. It you know the, the fantasy for so long. You know, was if we have an alien invasion. You know, hostile alien invasion Independence Day style. Then we're gonna put aside all our differences and fight the common enemy. But given that this virus has happened, which should be our common enemy and we sh- should have brought us together, it's it, it's instead like divided us even further. And and it's to me, it's just reasonable human beings versus completely unreasonable and insane people. It's 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 like yeah. a, the world's biggest cult has taken over our federal government and, and, and it's it's scary, really.
0: So in, in your line of work, I'm hearing a lot of things on the education piece um, now, right now about colleges like Northeastern here in Boston uh, seems to think that they can open up and be ready for uh, the class, the freshman class and, the, and the, the school semester in the fall. And that, yes, things will be different but they've found ways already to make it work. And then I hear on the West Coast, all 23 schools in, in California, the state schools, um, the chancellor has already said, nope, everybody's learning from distance. Uh, we're, not, we're not opening. Do you find that there's talk yet about your industry um, in where it, where it thinks it sees itself in two months and three months? Or are they still not just there yet?
1: Um, there actually, there was an article in Variety of, not too long ago uh, about re, you know potential systems of reopening and and how it would work. You know, you you crew up, you cast up, and then everybody gets tested, and then they're quarantined for two weeks, and then production begins, um, and sort of everybody has to sort of not go outside of that production while it's happening. Um, The the logistics of that sound like really complicated and difficult to me, but, you know, I kind of understand the general concept. I I really, I I was saying this to a friend of mine uh, the other day um, that uh, apparently Tyler Perry, my manager told me about this, uh, 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 Tyler Perry in Georgia because you know he has his, his giant uh, studio in Georgia and he is beginning uh, production on three sitcoms with uh, a system that he's devised in place to you know protect everybody from this virus. So I think what's happening now is you know Hollywood, the big ones in Hollywood, Warner Brothers and everybody. Uh, uh, and Universal and all those fools are probably just gonna watch and see what happens with Tyler Perry and if that, if it works you know, and there isn't uh, you know, uh, any kind of fallout, uh, then they'll probably adopt whatever his system is and try it that way. But it just, the whole thing sounds dicey to me given that, you know the other day in Pasadena, some idiots decided to have a kids birthday party and they invited all these people over for this kids birthday party despite stay-at-home orders and uh, one of the guy one of their guests showed up with a cough uh, wound up infecting I think nine of them and three of them wow. are now dead three people died uh, going to a, a party birthday party yeah. so yeah I I'm, I'm not sure how the logistics are, are gonna work I think and, it's gonna be real hard and until, the, until a vaccine is actually developed. Sorry, so, anti-vaxxers. That's another thing that drives me nuts.
0: Wh- well, you go, back, you go back to things that are stupid. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be fascinated. This is a digression completely to the question I just want to ask. But I, I'm fascinated to see what the um, – the, the, now my brain isn't working. But the people who are not taking these uh, shots in the arm – uh, are they going to take the shot in the arm the next time when the, when this thing rolls around and uh, the vaccine? Well, are, are they going to say no, no to the vaccine as well? Because they, they already they are.
1: They they already are. They're a big faction of, of this reopening protest nonsense. Um, and I actually on Facebook I had to, I got in a debate with this woman who I, I worked uh, with on a show a ways back, and. Uh, and, and then I, I just blocked her because I, just, I can't have any more conversations with anti-vaxxers. They're already uh, creating these conspiracy theories about the vaccination and then the vaccination will kill people. This is a vaccination that simply hasn't been developed yet. It's not even the thing. <laughs> the, the,
0: but they're, it's cr- they're just nuts. They're just nuts. Uh, yeah, I- I, I can never I, – I never go to the point of saying nuts. Maybe I'm just too chicken, but I just don't understand it. I just don't. Um, the question I wanted to ask uh, but before I got derailed on that was relative to um, the industry stuff and, and the places that Perry or others may go, how does your union get into that? Um, like for us, we've had four phases of this. this – virus living right now uh, in the education world, and at the local level, where we are all uh, union members and our union, you know, that causes the contract to be figured out or reopened. Do you guys run into the same stuff? Your union has changed a lot. I know that um, over the years, but is there still a loud enough voice uh, and respected enough that when the changes begin to happen down the road that are going to happen for this industry to keep going will the unions still have some kind of say on how that works or not so much
1: um well you know i i am i'm g- always have been critical of my particular union um mostly because of money and they're bad at negotiating yep. for proper amounts of money for very i mean you know the fact that the internet is still Referred to as new technology Is bananas to me But One thing that they are very good at Is uh, protecting their membership On the job uh, Safety and all that stuff And with this Tyler Perry thing I, As I understand it Gabriel Carteris The, the, the president of, of SAG-AFTRA now um, Has been very aggressive about Inserting the union And Take, making sure everybody's being completely protected uh, in this Tyler Perry situation. So I mean, I think they'll, I, I think they'll be good on that level, as far as keeping people safe. Um, but but like again, it's this whole thing is nobody knows that you know that's why it's nuts to me when people are so confident that we can reopen or you know we don't need vaccinations. It's just because nobody knows really what's what this is what this is how to deal with it what's gonna happen nobody nobody knows so it's just uh it's very wild westy
0: right now yeah hey here here's an odd random question but um i'm I'm always interested are the are the people that you looked up to as performers or um, comedians as a young person? Uh, back then, we'd say, "Oh, those are the people I admire. They're my heroes, uh, who I strive to be." Um, have those changed over time, or, or, do you still look at those performers the same way? Um, now that you're, you're older, you've been in the business, more accomplished. Does that change over time, or, um, like, for me, you know? Steve Martin is has always been someone I I look at and say genius. Or mm-hmm. um, uh, th- there's another one I can't, now I can't remember. It'll come back to me. Mork, Mork and Mindy's son. What the hell was his name? Uh, the big uh-huh. gold man. Uh, oh, well, whatever. Uh, but uh-huh. th- those are people that I would have wanted to meet uh, or try to to be successful as. Or have that creativity, Um, but does that change for a a lifelong performer as time goes on, or do you still have people that you've held on to that say, "Ah, that'd be kind of cool."
1: Well, uh, Steve Martin's actually a really good example for me. But generally, uh, I would say yes, things change. Uh, My uh, some people who I once admired, I don't anymore. uh, yeah. While I find, you know, like, and now that I'm pushing 50, I, I find that I'm looking at 30 year olds and 20 year olds and be like, wow, that's really good. I'm like looking up to people who are 20 years younger than me uh you know just cuz either they are doing stuff that I would like to do and they're doing it well or I just find them amazing but steve martin's really a good I- example because you know I loved him uh, growing up and wanted to do what he was doing uh, movie wise like I loved his crazy absurdist movies um and and then he got away from that in the 90s yeah, uh, and started, and the truth is, is he wound up making so much more money making these cheesy family movies uh, like Father of the Bride and Superbad the Dozen and all that yeah. junk. And I really felt, I, I felt betrayed as, as a, as a fan and and as a, a person who who looked up to him. I felt like, what, why, 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 why did he sell out like that? Um, but you know, as I've gotten older, I've realized. You know, Steve Martin can do what Steve Martin wants to do. He he likes like expensive art, so he needs to make a lot of money to buy that. (laughs) It's fine, Uh, but I still can go and look at his old stuff and go, "That's you know, that's still that's still my thing," Uh, and I'd still love to do it myself.
0: Have you ever seen Steve Martin um, in concert? Not as a not as a comedian, as a musician. Uh, No, I have not. So I I would whether you like his music or not I would urge you to go if you ever have the chance. Here's here's the reason why. Um, one of the things I always felt was I with people like Steve Martin we've I only feel like I see them when they are quote on they're mm-hmm. in performance mode. Uh, Jim Carrey's another good example. Uh, and and I've I've often wondered what is it like to see Steve Martin. When he's not on, and the fascinating thing was, I did see him perform because I l- actually like his music. Uh, I forget the name of the band, but um, I find it's it's pretty cool. Uh, I, I, like his, I like that, his blue band. I, yeah. I like his bluegrass music. Yeah, and so, it. but the best part was watching him go up to the mic uh, and introduce a song, and be a little bit Steve Martiny. But then the minute he starts playing the guitar, I felt like, uh, playing the banjo, I felt like he was becoming Steve Martin, the guy you don't see. Uh, like the guy who's in his music, in his zone, forgetting all of the things that you need to have to be Steve Martin. Uh, and I just found it fascinating because then he'd finish playing that song and approach the microphone And you'd almost see it turn back off or on, Uh, but Uh uh, really, kind of a cool thing to watch. Um, He uh, when he was
1: when he was back when he was uh, first blowing up uh, as you know this his stand-up comedy, doing stand-up comedy in stadiums and all that stuff. My uh, father-in-law was a variety television director and directed this Bob Denver. Uh, uh, some, it was called Summer in J- January or Summer in December or whatever. So, and the, they shot it in the in up in the Rockies, um, and they built a giant, a huge tent, um, which was surrounded by snow and all that. And then they made it warm in there, and they set up like a summer thing. It was like summer inside the winter. And the, you know and all these musicians and comedians and did did acts and Steve Martin did one and, and play he played the banjo, and like you say like it it's very different when he plays the banjo he gets super concentrated and you see that the Steve Martin crazy Steve Martin totally disappear, and in this uh, instance and I think there's a famous photo of it you probably look it up online, but he was playing playing a song, on the banjo super concentrated and they had released. Uh, to make it feel like summertime or springtime or whatever, they they released all these butterflies in the tent, so there were butterflies flitting around everywhere. And while he was playing, a butterfly landed on his nose, and he played the entire, almost the entire song with a butterfly on his nose. And he never acknowledged the butterfly. He never moved his head. He just kept playing with a butterfly on his nose.
0: <laughs> I think that's, that's what fascinating. I was like,
1: one of the coolest stories, yeah, about Steve Martin. Yeah,
0: and and did he even know it was there? That's I don't I don't know. Like it, maybe not. Uh,
1: maybe he was so concentrated on the music he didn't notice it was there, or maybe it was just like that's his comic genius. I'm I'm not going to break concentration, yeah. and I'm am I'm, I'm not going to acknowledge th- that there's a
0: butterfly on my nose. I, it reminds me of a story um, that my acting teacher in college uh, told. And I don't know whether it's real. It sounds real. It sounds like it could be real. Um, but it was relative to Laurence Olivier um, performing some Shakespearean performance. Uh, I forget what it would have been. But that he was having the absolute epitome of the best, best performance of his life. And the audience loved it and he went back out on stage and This, that, and the other thing to have his, you know, encore bow a couple of times. And he came off stage kicking, screaming, uh, and throwing stuff, tantrum effect. And people asked him, what the hell is your problem? Uh, You've just had the best performance of your career. And his basic response was, don't you think I friggin' know that? Um, I have no idea what I did. (laughs) <laughs> and it, it's about be, being in that zone, and knowing that you're you're totally in sync and in tune, and not knowing. And I that that story, whether true or not, it seems true, always uh, made me think of uh, trying to attain that best performance back when I did it myself, and never quite getting there because you're always. I always felt I was somewhat in tune with the audience. Um, And I never knew whether that was the good thing or the bad thing. Uh.
1: Yeah. That's like a classic uh, uh, performer's stress dream is having – I mean I have these all the time where like I'll be doing stand-up or something in front of an audience and it's just killing and the funniest thing ever. And then I wake up and I'm like, what what were my jokes? (laughs)
0: Yeah, uh, or you, or even worse, you wake up and you say, "Oh, I'll write that down tomorrow." There's no pen nearby, and you wake up and you're like, "What the hell did I write?" Or why didn't I write it down? Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, that that uh, on that
1: we sh- your your well, uh, your show is ending, right? What do you my, how do you my, sign off? My time
0: off? is up. Yeah, you are. How well you know? I don't know if I'll ever get you to this show again. So I just. I really want to say uh it's been a fascinating uh ride with you it's been a long time since we've been able to chat like this so i I owe you a trip out to your your area of the woods uh, oh that would be fantastic we
1: would love to have you
0: ever want to if you ever want to come back to the Toncast, uh you'd be a great special guest so ladies and gentlemen um uh you know find a way to reach out to todd robert anderson i'm sure you have questions about him uh i'm sure he'll answer them find him on facebook he'll answer just about anything but uh todd it's been great um have a have a great success with whatever comes next in this crazy COVID life and uh, i will see you back on the facebook um old man style uh you're, you're turning 50 pretty soon what a year away two years away uh, yeah,
1: yeah like year year and a half or so
0: well enjoy it as 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 they say ride the wave ladies and gentlemen this is zach galvin signing off for the toncast and and thank you to todd robert anderson we'll thank see you, you zach. on the flip side